right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Alright? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. This is RCST on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. We'll be joined by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant to talk KU football in about 35 minutes from right now. The Sunflower Showdown is this Saturday. And uh, we'll have our pregame show at Mama's Tamale Shop, 8.30 to 9.30 with kickoff at 11. KU pregame starts at 9.30 here on KLWN. Secret scrimmage occurred over the weekend in the first KU men's basketball real exhibition game, one that is not a secret that we get to see is on Wednesday night, which you can also hear here on KLWN. But they did play. Sources confirming they did indeed play against Tulsa. Um, I still don't get. I don't know. Here's I, what I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't get why it has to be a secret. I don't either. But here's what I don't understand. If you if you want to if you want to make a rule that like look you can't make a profit off of it, so you can't sell the streaming. Well, they have that rule. No, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. you just want to have that, like you can't sell the streaming, you can't sell tickets. Okay, that's all well and good, but like. Just give us the give us the information right. on the game. Release the box score yeah. or tell us the story. But here's the other thing: like, you, I think they have said you can actually sell tickets or make money off of this. Well, you can't make the money. Money can be had, but then it just has to go to like, for instance, the KU Missouri game went to charity. Yeah, it was uh, what was it like the Border War Showdown for? Char- it the, I don't yeah, know. it was it, it was for, for, uh, for the hurricane relief. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can do that. Um, and I'm surprised that. All of these scrimmages don't just do that and have everybody donate to whether it's a local charity or a national charity. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, there's no reason not to do that. I, I guess it's because maybe the, the coaches like want this stuff internal, but I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me. Um, KU took on Tulsa, and, and the other thing that's weird is despite those rules, you'll still see like Jeff Goodman or whatever, some national college basketball writer, like tweeting out box scores that they acquired from some of these secret scrimmages. So uh, that means <laughs> that means some of these schools are basically just like, we know what the rules are, we just don't care. Here's a box score. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I don't, yeah, it, it, I wonder sometimes if, if coaches are doing that, if they're releasing it so they find out who they're, you know, who a leak in their program might be coming from, but <laughs> I, it's so weird. And, and, and no, you know, the NCAA, and, and look, Goodman, and uh, you know these guys, they don't have to give up their their sources, and I, that, I'm fine with that. But the NCAA is not going to attempt to give out this information. The only thing that's going to happen is, you know, a local a local reporter will say, "Hey, Jeff Goodman reported the score was this, and this was the box score. What do you think on that?" And the coach would say, "Well, I have to keep that a secret. Yeah. I'm not going to comment. That's all that will come of it." So I I just don't get. I don't know. I I don't understand why it's a bizarre. I, it's just another kind of weird. What's the point that I I'm missing? Like 
what do you think the punishment is there from the NCAA? Like, do you think if... Think it's even lo- level two? There's no way, right? Imagine if they were like, hey, you're banned from the postseason because you gave a box you, score to, Je- to Jeff Goodman. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it, what... I would honestly, I would understand more. Like it feels like in in a lot of in in a lot of nowadays, it's it's leagues trying to get coaches to be more transparent yeah. and say more, and the coaches wanting to keep things a secret. Whereas this is the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, so are we to believe Kansas won this game? I think so, right? I mean, we saw we saw some. There's video a really good looking highlight package. Yeah, it's like a minute fifty video on on Twitter from the Kansas basketball Twitter account. Based on that, I wonder what the rule is there. Like, is two minutes the limit? Well, I know I, I this is just like a Twitter rule. I think the longest video you can have is like two ten, two twenty. Uh, I wonder if the it's NCAA right put there. out a rule that you, you you can't have a video on social media past a certain length. That's a good question. I don't know, but that's the thing. Like. If they're so secret, why can you even have highlights? I don't I don't get it. But based on that highlight package, we know this. Kansas scored at least 33 points. We know that. We also um, know. We know there were some dunks. We, yeah, there were some dunks. There were some three-point shots made. Uh, to my knowledge, Kansas didn't give up a point. On the package, we, on the pa- no, on the package we watched, um, there were no points scored by Tulsa. Mm. So by that metric... It in it would have been thirty three zero. It would have been thirty three zero, and if that minute and fifty was the first minute fifty of the game, then That's it would have been thirty three to nothing Kansas with eighteen <laughs> minutes and ten seconds uh-huh. left in the first half. And they said they. I, I think uh, this was reported by Matt Tate in the story about the game after. I think he said that they played two twenty minute halves, didn't go into whether they were running clocks or not. So that I'm not sure of. And then they played an extra ten minutes afterwards. For some of the reserve players to get some minutes. Oh, so they didn't force overtime. No, they didn't. Well, I guess that's possible. It's what possible. If, what if that's the real that's, reason? What if yeah. that was the cover-up? They said, you know, we'll just play an extra 10 minutes. But in reality, it, it was because, double overtime. Yeah. And the reason, and the reserve excuse is just because because there were so many overtimes, the, the starters had fouled out. <laughs> and they were so tired and the rest yeah, just exactly. calling everything. I love that. Okay. So it went to double overtime, uh, which incredible comeback by Tulsa then if KU... Like I said, from what we saw, uh, they won that game 33-0. So, based on the highlight package. Yeah, based on the high. By the way, the individuals, we tallied up the individual stats based on the highlight package as well. Christian Brown led the team 10 points. Also second on the team with three assists. Otag Baji was tied with Christian Brown, 10 points. He also had a steal. Remy Martin had five points and a rebound. He had a three, and then he hit a... Uh, Christian Brown had a pass in transition up to Ochai, I think. And he just missed the little finger roll layup. It was contested. Remy Martin came crashing in, and a little little tip back layup goes in, so he gets a rebound too. David McCormick had four points. Jalen Wilson had four points, which more on him in a moment. And Dewan Harris, four assists and a steal. I uh, the one thing I noticed from that highlight package was Christian Brown had a few plays that. I really remember it quite a bit from Devontae Graham throwing lobs to Doak. But I'm sure it came up uh, before that pair. But um, Devon Dodson did a lot with Doak. But there's a very specific type of lob where the guy with the ball is crashing down in the paint and he throws it almost side-armed to the big man. In this case, it was David McCormick. And Brown had one of those to uh, to McCormick. And if you saw it, you'd know the exact type of play I'm talking about. It, it was, you know, Marcus Garrett ran it a few times. Uh, when he last year, when he had to be, when he was kind of forced into the into the point guard spot, 
but Devon to Doak was a common one, and then um, Devontae Graham to Doak was a common one. It, it's a very specific one where the the guy, the ball handler, is approaching the blocks, and he kind of puts it up, it, it, almost what looks like a hook shot, except it's a pass, and then the big man throws it down. Christian Brown had a had an assist like that that resulted in an alley oop to David McCormick, so that looked pretty impressive. Uh, did you bring up Remy Martin, who yeah. he he faked a shot. He faked oh, yeah, the three yeah. just so he could have the opportunity to have a guarded three. He had a wide open three <laughs> that he pump faked. Then after the pump fake, a dude jumped in his face and he put up the shot and canned it that way. Yeah, so, that was the three he made. That was uh, he pump faked was just so his shot could be yeah. more difficult. I mean, the what disrespect. a guy! The disrespect, I love it from Remy Martin. Uh, so I that was the KU scrimmage again. We don't really have much to go off of. I also saw I saw Joe Yesifu in one of the highlights made a nice extra pass. Um, Mitch Lightfoot I saw a few times, so I don't know. We don't really know what to expect from that, but we will have more on Wednesday. One guy who I would assume is going to be missing from Wednesday in the exhibition game, Jalen Wilson. Um, he was arrested over the weekend. Here is uh, the comment from Bill Self. This is coming from Matt Tate, uh, the Lawrence Journal World. Uh, we are aware of the incident last night, and we are disappointed in his decisions. We are looking into the situation as we speak, and we'll determine potential consequences with him once we have the rest of the details. So uh, if you're unaware of what happened with Jalen Wilson, he was uh, pulled over after suspicious driving. He was supposedly, according to the story, I guess I should say allegedly, because, you know, till something is proven, don't want to get ourselves in trouble here, uh, but was allegedly swerving between lanes, pulled over, uh, they gave him a you know field sobriety test, and then he was brought back to the station, held on bond for a couple hours before he was finally picked up, and then that comment from Bill Self. So uh, we don't really know what this is going to mean for Jalen Wilson, but I'd imagine, like, I don't know, Mark Few, I think, only got two or three games. I guess that would be, like, the starting point where you'd say Jalen Wilson's probably out at least two or three games, but who knows? Maybe it could be longer. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it's if it's – well – if it turns out to be nothing, um, like let's say they took some sort of BAC test and, and it turned out to be below the legal limit, mm-hmm. I get maybe, well, I don't know because he's not 21 yet. So even then, Literally I don't know. Thursday, he turns 21. Boy. But again, I, I would be shocked if he's back. The, is is the first, do they have kind of a warm up game, a warm up regular season game before the Champions Classic? Or is the Champions Classic their first game this nope. year? Nope. Ripping off the band aid. So I don't think I would. There's, it's I, just the exhibition. I'd Wednesday. be shocked if he plays in either the Emporia State game or the Michigan State game. Is it Tarleton State after that? Tarleton State the following Friday. And uh, I believe after that is Stony Brook on the 18th. Sounds, that sounds familiar. And then I think after that, they go into the, uh, the Disney Classic yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Thanksgiving. I'd be. I'd be really shocked. I'd be shocked if he's back for the Michigan State game. Um, beyond that, I, I'd be really, I'd be pretty surprised as well if it's the Tarleton State game. I guess a lot of it will depend on how, you know, how bad was it. Um, I don't know. There's there are a lot of factors in, in to go into how, you know, how much he'll play or, or I mean when when he'll be able to come back or really if he'll be able to come back. Um, the the one thing that I wondered, and I'm no legal expert, so I don't want to speculate too hard here, but it seemed like a pretty low bond. It's two hundred fifty dollar bond hmm. that he had to post. That is um, a low bond, it seems like. I, so I I don't know if that would if we can glean anything from there for trying to read some tea leaves, but ultimately, um, 
what I think will happen is he'll miss two or three games. Yeah, and there is some gray area there, so I, I just want to be clear and, like, don't ever drink and drive, obviously. Um, probably shouldn't even have to say that because it's just a... a get an Uber, no. man. How right. hard is it? And that's the thing. You're, you're a KU basketball player, too. Like, even if you couldn't get an Uber... Someone will give you a ride. Someone will give you a ride, right. Um, Remy Martin has a car. He just got a car as part <laughs> yeah, of an NIL go. deal. There you go. Um, so, from that standpoint, like, very, very stupid. There are different levels here, right? Like, and, and this is something we won't know for, I, I don't know, until court documents come out, I guess. Like you said, it's very possible because you can get pulled over for this. You could have a .05. You could be below the legal limit of .08, and you get pulled over for just suspicion of, like, you're, you know, between the, the lines or something. And yeah. it honestly could be not even that you're drunk or anything. You could just be either a bad driver or just like texting or doing something you're not supposed to in the car, falling asleep, I don't know, whatever it is. And you can basically get similar like repercussions, but it's different. Um, so I I don't know. It's, it's hard to like go too far into this without knowing more of the details because there would be a big difference there between that happening and like blowing a point two two, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That I mean, it, it, there there are levels to this, and and yeah, but it, it the baseline is if he was drinking and driving, or I mean, if he was drinking or if he was driving after drinking, that's wrong. Yeah. Um. So the baseline is this was a wrong thing, but you know, wrong thing to do. But yeah, I mean, there's absolutely kind of gray areas in terms of what the penalty should be, and. I think that's why, I mean, self, um, I'm rarely, I can think of a couple, really one instance, but self, I'm rarely disappointed in how self handles things. Um, I can think of one instance in which I was a few years ago, but other than that, I, I can, you know, self usually kind of has a pretty consistent run with players where you get a couple screw ups, depending on how bad the screw up is and depending how contrite you are, um, so I, I would guess that this ends in, um, you know, some sort of, I don't know if he, he has to do community service and some sort of counseling. I, I don't know what, you know, sort of DUI punishments or what requirements come after that. But I would guess that this ends with um, Jalen Wilson missing three or four games and hopefully never being in the news for something like this again. Yeah. And so I can think um, Brady Morningstar, I think, got. He was the last KU player I can remember to get a DUI. I think I saw somebody say, I, I don't know. I don't know if this was ever made public, so I'm, I'm not going to even talk about a suspension there or whatnot. But um, I don't want to go too far into the legality side of it because, again, like I, I just don't know everything there, and you don't know all the details. And, um, again, that doesn't excuse the fact that it happened. And uh, one of my best friends, his grandmother died from a drunk driver. So, um Again, don't do it. It's it's very, very stupid. Uh, but I, I don't want to move on from it and the fact that it's not a big deal. But, again, I, I don't know what else to say in that regard. So, as far as what it means on a basketball court, like for Jalen Wilson, first of all, I he don't know what He just hurt himself from a, as NIL deep as, deals, right? Uh, well, that, and I was going to say as deep as this team is. Yeah. He really hurt himself. Yeah, so I don't know what he that took means. Away, he took away opportunities for him to be on the court. Right. And potentially gave an opportunity to somebody else to, to cement yes. themselves in this lineup. The big question for me on the court is, because we've seen this happen with players before, like don't get in the Bill Self doghouse. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this does that. I don't know if, if Jalen Wilson, it felt like at times last year he was kind of teetering 
on the edge of it at times based on some comments from Bill Self, but he was always able to work through it, and he was a great player last year. You don't want to get into the Bill Self doghouse. This uh, does not start things out well for this season. And to your point, if like, because I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I would assume the starting five now instead of maybe originally, maybe it was going to be Remy Martin and the four returning starters from last year. Maybe now Dewan Harris enters in the lineup and then Christian Orochai, man, like small ball four. Or maybe they uh, play, I don't think they would start KJ Adams. So I, I think that's m- most realistic or Joe Yesifu with Remy Martin and then Christian Brown, Ochai, and David McCormick. Um, if somebody comes in there, if if one of these wings starts to play well in a small ball four lineup, Jamie Lynn Coleman lands, is playing well off the bench, which makes you want to play more of the small ball four, or if, you know, KJ Adams comes on as a freshman and plays well in however long Jalen Wilson is out, Bill Self, you get in the doghouse there. That's the last thing you want to do, especially for a guy who tested the NBA draft waters this past offseason. Yeah came back with the intention of this year, I'm sure he's hoping will be the springboard into the NBA draft next year, and now all of a sudden what happens if, because of all those things, instead of you playing 30 minutes a game like you thought coming into the year, now you're only playing 15 to 20. Bill Self brought back LeGerald Vick, who who I want to be clear, LeGerald Vick never got this sort of trouble, so I want to be very clear on that. Um, but Bill Self brought back LeGerald Vick in a time where nobody thought he would bring back LeGerald Vick, but he had... Basically, no options. Hmm. Bill Self has a lot of options now. We were discussing with Brian Haney last week and before that media days, the potential of, a, you know, Bill Self working to whittle his team down from 14 players to 10. And if, you know, if if Jalen Wilson isn't luck or, I mean, isn't uh, careful, then he just made Bill Self's job easier. Yes, he did. He, that'll make the uh, rotation very interesting. So, uh, I'll be interested in that. I know I saw some people talking about the fact that, well, now that he's not in the the starting lineup, like, are they going to play two bigs next week? No, they are not. Bill Self talked about this adamantly. Yes. He's not going to do that. A Big Twelve media day. They they don't like what that would do defensively. So Cam Martin or Mitch Lightfoot are not going to start next to David McCormick. I feel very certain about that. I would assume it's going to be like I said, Christian or Ochai are going to play small ball four. And then you're either going to bring on a Jalen Coleman-Lands or Joe Yasfu or Dewan Harrison in the starting lineup, along with Remy Martin, those other two wings, and David McCormick. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. John Kirby joins us in about 15 minutes from right now. Coming up next, let's talk about that awful KU football game over the weekend. About half past three, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. With me is Adam Dravetta. We'll be joined by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant. Rivals in about 10 minutes from right now. KU had a very bad weekend football-wise. Uh, that game got away from them so early, the offense couldn't move the ball. Honestly, the biggest reminder I got from that game, because that was one where you, I mean, I don't even remember when their first first down was. It was the second half. I don't think it was till Miles Kendrick came in. It was... Very bad. It reminded me a lot of that uh, the TCU game from four or five years ago, the game that is, I now refer to it as the Doug Meacham upset hunched over in the staircase game. Oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that one. And that was on national TV. Oh, well, that might have been FS1 like this one was. It was either Fox or FS1. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I'd totally forgotten about that moment. Um I, uh, yeah, there's nothing much more to say about this game. Uh, they, they, Devin Neal... 
took a step back as far as production's concerned. Jason Bean took a huge step back as far as con- um, as far as uh, what he produced. Um, it was just bad. I I don't know. There there's no other way to put it. The team was terrible, and um, they had a chance to really bounce back. And and we you know we talked about this last week how Jason Bean really after two or three really difficult games where he averaged what I think he had a two or three game stretch where he averaged 87, um, 87 yards. It was under a hundred. Yeah. And he, you know, and then, you know, they, they looked, they looked fine and competent had some drives against OU last week, had some sustained drives. And then Saturday comes and Jason Bean goes three of 10. And I think he had what? 10 yards passing. Yes, three of 10, 10 yards passing, and uh, a couple Devin, interceptions. And Devin Neal averaged two point eight yards a carry. They were just terrible. Yeah, and it's it's a bummer. Um, I don't, you know, I, I I say every week, and I still mean it that I still uh, I still like what Leipold. I like the direction under Leipold, but this is, you know, I feel like this is a game that in two or three years we're going to be going. Man, remember that game against Oklahoma <laughs> State? We were so bad. I really think that the KU fans will be talking like that, but it, for now, for this moment, we're back where we were, where we said, how much more can we talk about KU football? How much more are people going to be interested the closer we get to basketball season? And here we are in basketball season. Um, certainly this week, it becomes a little more prevalent just because of the fact that you are taking on Kansas State, who, I mean, it's your, your in-state opponent who you're trying to go up against and you haven't performed well with them really at all recently um, outside of the one game where Peyton Bender just dropped the ball in Manhattan. Uh, I I don't know because Kansas State beat Texas Tech who trounced KU. Certainly, we could get into the idea that Kansas State is one of the bottom half Big 12 teams maybe, but I think they're probably closer to that five six range than they are down to the eight nine range because you beat TCU, you beat Texas Tech, who are both considered kind of in that range. I don't know how winnable it is for KU. If you play like you did against Oklahoma, it is maybe a winnable game. But the spread opened at twenty four points, so this once again just becomes a game of can you be competitive? Yeah, and I think on top of that, is this game in Manhattan? No, it's in Lawrence. It's in Lawrence. I I do generally have a rule and I, I i said this even before the ou game and we all kind of joked about it because nobody thought the game against ou including myself thought it would be as close as it was i do kind of always keep an eye on teams who are on the road for an 11 a.m game 11 a.m game because weird things happen especially if it's a team you've got no reason to get up for um but k-state is really they're on the come right now i i like what they're doing I actually liked what they were doing when they were three and three. I think they just had they played a few tough games in a row, and at, when they were three and three, I know some K State fans were getting antsy, but I don't think you could have expected that team to be any better than four and two at that point. And so I think they were right on track with where they should have been, and I still think they're a bowl team. Um, and no, I, I I wouldn't pick. I probably wouldn't bet on this game at all, but I, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that 24 is, is a ridiculous line. No, it's not at all, uh, especially with some of those beatdowns you've experienced in recent years. I think what was the most disappointing part about Saturday, I mean, just if you watched any of the game, it was just you couldn't do anything. Um, 
but it was just that idea that we talked about really all week long after the Oklahoma game. There have been other situations like the Oklahoma game where, not necessarily to that extent, but to where you have played close or maybe won a game you shouldn't have or were competitive with the team. Yeah, TCU comes to mind a couple different times. And the next week you were unable to not necessarily follow up that performance, but, you know, instead of, okay, maybe that was your up performance. If you have a down performance next week, Lose by 17. Lose by 21. Yeah, I mean, right? if, if, if Hang we're in there. Exactly. Don't make it 55 to 3. Right. And I, I thought this was the exact game. Wasn't that the, when they played that top five TCU team and almost beat them? Wasn't the very next game the one against Samaj P. Ryan where he ran for like 400 yards? Into that, well, I, the, 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 the game, uh, there were multiple TCU games. The one that comes to mind for me was 2014. Yeah. And I think you're right because I think that was kind of well. Let me just say I'm I'm not going to say who I have reason to believe from people who were in the KU athletics department at the time that Samaji Pirine game was why was basically what took Clint Bowen out of the running for the permanent head coaching job. Yeah, and so you had that immediate performance after that you were unable to string things together. Now I go back and forth on this because. As much as everybody was saying they wanted that, and you you need that to show signs of progress because you haven't had that in recent years, wouldn't, if you were competitive in this game, like, what would you rather have? Would you rather say, after the OU game, we were non-competitive against Oklahoma State and then very competitive against K-State, or competitive against Oklahoma State, so it'd be two straight weeks, but then non-competitive against K-State? I'll still feel encouraged if if they're competitive against Mm K-State, depending on how competitive. I, I think... Uh, I think Oklahoma State's a better team than than K State, so I think it sounds weird. Like I, I would have been more encouraged losing to. Like I, I'm trying to think, I, I would have been more encouraged losing to Oklahoma State by 21 than if if Kansas loses to K State by 17, mm-hmm. something like that. Even though it would be a closer game, I still think Oklahoma State is at least four points better than K State. So it's it's kind of weird, but no, I, I still I'll still come away. If, if KU keeps it, I don't expect them to. But if KU keeps it uh, within two touchdowns um, this week against K State, no, I, I'll I'll still be. I mean, it's not going to negate what just happened in Stillwater, yeah. but I'll still feel good. Yeah. So I you would have liked to see that continue because that would have shown signs of progress. But here's the thing: we already knew this coming into this year. This was not going to be the year that you showed the signs of progress. So if you can show competitiveness in any of the games, I think I think it's a success. I don't even care about the order anymore. Be competitive in a couple more of the games the rest of the year. You know, because if the idea is well, if you're competitive in back-to-back games, you're showing progress from where the program was in years past. Again, the coaching staff took over late. This was not the year that you were expecting to show these overhauling signs of progress. So if you do it against K-State, that'd be a huge win for you. It'd be a huge win with in-state recruiting. It'd be a huge win with getting the in-state walk-ons and and having that funnel to yourself. This is a big opportunity for KU, and and certainly I'm not excusing what happened on Saturday because it was really, really bad. That was one of the worst KU football games I've ever watched. But, again, just trying to judge it to the timeline and trying to keep a level head – if you go out and are competitive this week in a home game against an in-state opponent, that to me is more important than Saturday against Oklahoma State. But the problem is, if that doesn't happen, now you have the Oklahoma State game and not being competitive this Saturday, which yeah. makes it even worse. 
Um, individual players, I think it'll matter. I'm interested to see Devin Neal's toughness because this is the first bad game he's had in his entire college career. In fact, he's not only has he not had a bad game yet, he's he's kept getting better week to week. And this is the first game that not only did he get worse from one week to the next, he got considerably worse. Um, and the offensive line is related to the run game, so it's not all on Devin Neal, but the stats fall on him. So I'll say the run game as a whole. That includes Devin Neal and the guys blocking for him. Um, if they can improve, even if KU doesn't win or, or you know stay competitive, if Devin Neal bounces back and is in a 95 or 100 yard game, um, I'll be pretty. I'll, I'll feel good because it will at least show me. And same with Jason Bean. If Jason Bean comes in and and has a fine game, I you know not a great game but a fine game, that will tell me a lot because at the very least it will say. All right, this is a team that that worked through practice, you know, and and uh, was able to put uh, either put the Oklahoma State game out of their head or get angry enough that they that they carry that forward um, to have a good performance the following week. There's a chance for this KU team to show some level of toughness this week, and and um, that would be big. And I know toughness is usually something that we hear about the basketball team with Bill Self's motto, but. Um, it, it matters in every sport, and, and and part of toughness is letting go of previous disappointments and focusing on the opponent in front of you. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll talk with John Kirby, more KU football, Jayhawk Slant, and Rivals next. This is RCST. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson here with Adam Dravetta. John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant, Rivals.com, joins us now on the show it was a tough result, to say the least, for KU taking on Oklahoma State on Saturday. Uh, the offense really struggled to get going for KU. Defensively, I thought they kind of hung in there given what was going on in the first half, but then eventually that kind of fell apart too, and you end up uh, getting dominated by the Cowboys in that one. And I, I don't totally know what to think of that game because you know it, it comes off a week in which you play well against Oklahoma, in which you were competitive, and you almost pulled an upset. And given where the program is, like maybe just able to do that one every couple of weeks is a good thing. But also, I think a lot of people were hoping for you know back-to-back kind of competitiveness that we haven't always seen in years past. So I guess what do you make of uh, how I guess poor things looked on Saturday down in Stillwater? You know, Derek, when you're – God, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a college football season like I have this year where things are so different from week to week. I mean, it's it's been pretty crazy, even with other teams as well. But when you look back at this, I mean, you know, Kansas plays Oklahoma tough. You know, I thought it was interesting that, that the coordinators, Borland and Kotelnicki, even said in their – press conference on Thursday, they had kind of mentioned that maybe Oklahoma, they caught them off guard. Maybe Oklahoma came in a little flat. I mean, they, they made mention of that themselves. So, you know, then, then you go to the next week, right? Now you, now you're on the road at Stillwater, Oklahoma state's coming off uh, a disappointing loss to Iowa state and Ames. They're at home for homecoming. And when you listen to Gundy talk last week, you knew, that Kansas was going to get Oklahoma State's A game. Oklahoma State came out ready for that game. And, Derek, when you look back at that game, I went back at halftime and rewinded some plays in the first half. And, you know, it's always funny because you try to play armchair quarterback and you say, well, maybe could could they have done something different? Where where were some wide receiver uh, screens or, or, you know, some 
you know, just delayed handoff. You, you always play armchair quarterback of what you could have done different. When you go back and watch that game and, like, rewind some plays, I don't think there's anything they could have drawn up. I mean, Oklahoma State, especially on from the Kansas offensive side, Oklahoma State was just bigger, faster, stronger, more physical. They start, like, 10 super seniors and senior transfers on that side of the ball. I mean, Oklahoma State, I don't want to call it men amongst boys, but, I mean, it was total domination to where Oklahoma State just mauled the Jayhawks. I don't know what a coach can do. I saw somebody on our message board say, well, there's probably only two two or three coaches in America that could have had any outcome different. Heck, I'd like to know who those two or three guys are because I just don't I don't know any way a coach could have made a difference in that game when it just came to physicality and speed on the field. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good point and brought up. I know Jason Bean had troubles against that defense. Three of ten in the game just struggled to get balls, you know, going downfield. Miles Kendrick comes in, uh, has I don't know a few nice plays. It was it was never anything uh, really put together. But do you put anything into the fact that we saw some extended playing time from Miles Kendrick, or do you think that's just kind of more the same of what we've seen a few different times this season, such as against? Uh, um, Iowa State or Texas Tech where, you know, it's just kind of getting the other guy reps and, and keep Jason Bean from taking hits. Yeah, you know, and I don't I don't think anything comes of it. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to hear what Lance has to say on Tuesday at his press conference. I still sense right now, and I could be wrong, that, that you know, they feel that maybe Bean still gives them the best upside that, you know, when he's when he's doing what he did against Oklahoma, he's finding, you know, open receivers. He's out rolling out. He's got the speed to elude pretty much any corner in safety out there. And when he's out in the open field and he's hitting some passes on the run, Bean can look good, okay? But when you look at the Big 12 games and you go back and look at his numbers in the Big 12 games, you know, outside of Oklahoma, he struggled. So, but again, at the same time, I don't know who wouldn't struggle. You know, they're they're getting better on the offensive line. Um, Devin Neal's had a nice, solid, true freshman season. But when you're just playing guys on the other side who are bigger and more mature and more physical, it's tough to overcome some of those things. Do you think the staff views what's going to happen this offseason? Obviously, Miles Kendrick at that point will be graduated. Jalen Daniels, who they've talked about, you know, possibly redshirting this season. Do you think Jalen Daniels and Jason mean that's going to be a legit quarterback competition? Or how? I guess how much does Jason Mean's performance over these last handful of weeks matter to that? Well, I think it does to, to an extent. You know, the difference is Bean's going to have a little bit of a head start going into the offseason because he's played in the system and he's actually played games in front of him. I don't think they asked Daniels to redshirt unless they feel really good that saving a year gives them more time with him in the future of the program. I don't think they they say, hey, listen, let's redshirt you. Let's, you, you watch our system, get used to it, learn what we're doing. And then, you know, Lance even said, you know, Jalen Daniels was put out there as a 17-year-old kid. He's out there starting in the Big 12 game against Baylor. He's not even 18 years old yet, and the kid ran for his life as his true freshman year. I mean, Derek, you saw it. That kid was hit and tackled, and, and I know he went into the offseason banged up, 
And it took them a little while through the off season to recover and get back to being fully healthy. So, you know, there, there's, there's a transition time. You know, they always joke that they say, you know, as a red shirt or a true freshman, really you want your quarterback on the sideline with a clipboard and a visor on next to the coordinator learning, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. So instead, Daniels was out there playing. So sitting out this year, you know, may give him an advantage to learn and kind of soak in what they want to do. We're talking with John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. As far as the quarterback position overall, I know we've talked about you know, what the, the recruiting plan is going to be moving forward and how maybe for this year specifically you bring in Scott Oligo and certainly the transfer portal could be of big use this offseason for KU. Do you think that quarterback position is a position that they might bring in another guy, whether it's just to add depth, add quarterback competition, or try to kind of push those guys in Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels? Yeah, Derek, I think with the numbers, okay, First of all, we've got to wait and see how many spots they're going to have. You know, we've got to wait and see what players are going to leave because there will be players leave. There's going to be players leave every program. And then you've got to find out how many spots you're going to have because I don't like what the NCAA did with this rule that you've got to leave into the portal after a certain date for you to get that scholarship back. But I think Kansas has got to be, if they're going to do the quarterback thing, they've got to be picky, okay? I don't think they can take a guy – who is got question marks and you're you're waffling back and forth is this guy going to help us or not i think if they if they do and if that look they're going to have to find somebody that they think hey we think this kid can come in and compete and push the guys i don't think they'll take one just to say hey we're going to bring this guy and be a depth guy now i don't know the plans on that yet okay i don't know where they're leaning on this quarterback position and these last few games could tell us a little bit that if, you know, maybe Bean goes out and if he plays like he did against Oklahoma State, maybe internally they sit there and say, okay, we've got to go find a portal quarterback. But if you look at the portal right now, I mean, you know, the kid from Tennessee's in there. They're not going to have a chance at him. You know, there's a there's a kid from Syracuse in there. Uh, I saw one from Georgia State or something that's thrown for 3,000 yards in his career. But right now, there is not a big group to choose from and and i gotta tell you Derek, on the on the other side a quarterback if he's got value he wants to make sure he's going to go to a place where he feels he can win a job can he go in will he be behind a good offensive line will it be protected what kind of scheme is he going into so i think they're on the quarterback side you know there's a lot of questions still out there overall with the transfer portal is there maybe a certain position group that you would be most on high alert for, for if you see a certain guy go in the portal or just a certain position group you think they might add the most players to from the transfer portal? Oh, I think they're going to look at all positions. I don't, I don't, instead of, you know, answering the question, what position would be most likely, I think it's more of every position's on the table. I think if they can find a corner who can help them, a D line and an O line. I mean, later later on, I'm going to interview an offensive lineman, a JUCO offensive lineman from Garden City, who just got offered by Ken by the Jayhawks. So know that there's a position that they sit here and say, "Oh no, we're we're good enough here. We need nothing." I think Aligo and Ionello and, and Grant Murray and all those guys on the 
I think they are watching that portal every day. I think they're doing their background research on guys that intrigue them. And I think they've probably got their own portal board there. I mean, you always joke, people always talk about the recruiting board, which is your normal recruits. I'm sure there's somewhere there's a list of portal guys that they're interested in, that they're doing background research on. And I don't know that there's any position that would be off the table. KU takes on Kansas State this Saturday, 11 o'clock, pregame at 9.30 here on KLWN. Uh, How do you think that KU matches up with Kansas State in this one? Well, they match up with them a lot better than they did Oklahoma State. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when I watch Kansas State, who I've watched several times this year, Derek, you know, um, they're, they're interesting because I don't think that Kansas State's overly talented, okay? But I think they've got talent in the right spots. And I think Thompson's a really good quarterback. I think the running back, Vaughn, is a really good running back. I think they've got a couple good D linemen. They play fast, okay? I don't know that they're overly athletic on defense, but they look like they are because they play fast, they wrap up, they tackle well, and they play hard. So, But I don't think you sit here and look at Kansas' roster, and then you look at Kansas State's roster, and you say, man, Kansas so overmatched. I just think that, you know, Kleiman took over a, a good program at Kansas State. They've kept things going. Um, you know, they they play with a lot of intensity every week when you watch them. So, you know, I think this is a game Kansas can at least hang in and make more competitive, you know, if, if things go right. But you know what happens, Eric? We've seen this so many times in this game. You know, they, you lay the ball on the carpet, they go in and score, you get a stop, you kick a punt, Kansas State returns a punt 70 yards for a touchdown. And next thing you know, you're sitting here and you go, God, we haven't looked that bad, and you're down 14 nothing. So, you know, those are the things that Kansas has got to eliminate when they play Kansas State because it seems like they make more mistakes against Kansas State than they make a lot of times in all their other games. Yeah, and it's always interesting to me that, you know, it feels like I know this term has, has been thrown out there. Like, for Kansas State, this is their Super Bowl or, or a Super Bowl for them. And I, I don't say that in, like, a, a negative way. I think it's a positive thing because you take the, the game against your in-state opponent so seriously. And I think that is a good thing, and we haven't maybe always seen that from KU. So I guess how important in year one of a new coaching staff, which it obviously is for Lance Leipold, just in terms of – Uh, an in-state perception for recruiting, for bringing on local walk-ons, all that sort of thing. How important is it for them to at least be competitive in this game? Yeah, it's important. It's it's a selling tool. I mean, if you're competitive in this game, you tell people, you know, hey, in year one, we kept this thing more competitive than it's been in the past. Um, When you talk about Kansas State looking at it like their Super Bowl, Derek, you know, a lot of that stems back to the fact that I've always said this, that KU, for the longest time, always had two rivals, okay? And if you talk to people, I think Kansas fans, more would lean when you asked them who the rival was. They would say it was Missouri, okay? And then K-State, a second. And maybe when you get in different parts of the state, when you go west, KU fans would say, no, our rival's K-State. But I know when you talk to a lot of people, they would say Missouri's the big rival. Well, Kansas has always been Kansas State's rival, okay? So... I think that game, dating back to the Snyder years, has always been red circled every year, and he always got his kids up to play Kansas. So now, you know, Missouri's not around. They haven't been around for a while. So somebody like 
Leipold comes in now. He knows the importance of the game because there, there is no more Missouri. It is just Kansas State. So, you know, I'm sure he will have his guys ready to go, and they know the importance of this game. And You know, Leipold's been around. He's, he's talked to high school coaches. He's been around and done some clinics. He knows what this game means. He is John Kirby. You can check out all his work with Jayhawk Slant and Rivals.com. John, thank you so much for the time as always, man. Hey, Derek, take care. All right, that was John Kirby of Rivals and Jayhawk Slant joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Again, that KUK State game coming 11 o'clock on Saturday. Pre-game starts at 9.30 here on KLWN. And we'll have our pre-game show out at Mama's Tamale Shop bright and early, 8.30 to 9.30, baby. Come on out. They had breakfast food last time, and oh my gosh, I'm actually really excited that this is a morning game so that Mama's Tamale Shop is going to have breakfast food again because... It was uh, absolutely fantastic. The apple pie empanada and the chorizo egg and cheese taco were uh, two of some of the best breakfast foods that I've had in quite some time. And uh, I am definitely craving and looking forward to eating those Saturday morning as uh, we get you ready for the KUK State game. All right, this is RCST with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. It is a Monday. That means we got to overreact to stuff that happened in the NFL. So uh, first down, first up. Your number one NFL Monday overreaction for this week is? Um, it is. Apparently, this didn't make the news, but uh, apparently they passed a law for uh, preventing anybody in the AFC to separate themselves as great. <laughs> oh, man. Who passed that law? I don't know. Apparently, Ted Cruz or something. It must have been, but uh, it, re- it flew under the radar with the G20 Summit and all that, all the goings <laughs> on there. But, uh, yeah, you've got the, the Patriots going and beating the Chargers. Um, everybody's hurt for the Browns. Um, the Bills, I guess you could say, they're probably the best team in the AFC, but they just got beat by the Titans a couple weeks ago. Um, but they're sitting at 5-2. and two. The Patriots go. Um, I already mentioned them. Uh, it was, oh, the Jets. The Jets upset the Bengals. Yeah. So The Jets have two wins this year. They're the Bengals and the Titans. What the hell? It, it, well, that furthers my point. <laughs> yeah. So maybe this law was passed in August, and and the teams are just following it, and we're we're just now finding out about it. But yeah, that's my first overreaction. It is apparently it it might be legal for a team in the AFC to be great, but if it is, no team in the AFC is taking advantage of that fact. Man, it is yeah, it, it's wild. Like it almost feels like just draw a team out of a hat at this point. If you had to pick a team to go to the Super Bowl, I'm really glad we don't have one of those um, like death pick. Oh pools, gosh, the survivor, you know, where you just, yeah, 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 survivor pick pools. I'm really glad we don't have one oh of those. Oh gosh, imagine if you just had to do like AFC only too. Right now, the Raiders are what the two seed because the Bills would be the one seed. No, the Titans. As it stands oh, now, right. the okay, Titans so are the one. Oh, I, gosh. Nobody thinks of them that way because they they lost Derrick right. Henry. I, I I mean I don't think he'll be back at all this year. Maybe if they get to like the AFC title game. But everyone, you know, everyone assumes they'll be the Bills because Derrick Henry's out. But yeah, the the Raiders are sitting comfy as like the, the two or three seed. I wonder like how many teams in the NFC, if 
if you asked me like how deep into the NFC roster would I go of picking the NFC team over the AFC representative from the Super Bowl right now, I don't. It's well, still halfway through the season, so a lot of time to go. But I like, still think. I don't know. I mean, I still... Okay, would you take the Packers or... Okay, whoever your AFC representative is. I don't know. Who do you think is the best team in the AFC right now? Bills? Yeah. But do I think the Packers would be favored over the Bills? Probably. I do. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I guess it's, it's so it's so much a chicken or egg thing. Is it because nobody... It, with the AFC, is it because nobody at the top is that great? Or because nobody at the bottom except for Jacksonville is that terrible? And I think even Jacksonville... Does it, do they have a yeah, win yet? They do. But the problem is to me that but the Jets the, have beaten the Bengals the, and the Titans. Well, on the other side, the, the chicken or egg argument in the NFC, is it because the teams at the top are that great, or is it because the teams, the That's bottom true. dwellers are so terrible? Like the Giants and the Washington yeah. football team. And yeah, the so it's, you know, it's it's kind of a weird dynamic. But, I, yeah, I think the Packers, I think um, the, Packers the, the, the Buccaneers Bucks, who just lost. But, I, you know, the Rams just fortified themselves today by getting Vaughn Miller. Might take the Cardinals. Um I'm still, so it's bullish. so weird. I still, I, I, I have a difficult time with the Cardinals. And, I, and I, look, I'm going to tell you right now, if the Seahawks, oh, had, I take the Cowboys. If the Seahawks had this exact same record, I would, I would not think twice about considering them yeah. one of the best teams in the NFC. It's just because we've because seen of the it Cardinals, before. and it's Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, that's the issue. Okay, my uh, number one NFL Monday overreaction: uh, Mike White should start the rest of the season for Zach Wilson. He went out there and balled out 400 yards passing. Only one other quarterback in NFL history has thrown for 400 yards in their first career start. It was Cam Newton. Cam Newton won an MVP. Mike White, future MVP? Question mark. Um, it's overreaction Monday. Let's <laughs> say yes. But okay, here's the thing. We always talk about like how much do quarterbacks gain from playing versus sitting behind another guy. I wonder, honestly. Zach Wilson already got hurt. The Jets' offensive line isn't very good. Sorry, just sneezed. Um, but you didn't hear it. Yeah. The magic of radio. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Is it a health risk to Zach Wilson? Also, he clearly does not look ready. And I think you can gain experience on the fly. I think the whole idea of we want to get in this argument over is it better to have him start right away or sit behind the quarter or sit behind another quarterback, I think is very it's a dumb argument to me because I think different guys need different things, right? In the NFL, such a copycat league. I think what you're seeing, you know, for the longest time after Patrick Mahomes, work when it, you know, that worked so well with the Chiefs, you had so many teams trading up to try to get their quarterback. Mm -hmm. Now you have a rookie class of quarterbacks that's okay to disappointing. Um, so I, I it, and then on top of that, because of the veteran quarterback stockpile that's going to be available in the offseason, you're going to see the, you know, and, and because Matt Stafford's doing so well, you're going to see teams going the other direction in that's this offseason. And so the, the NFL is such a copycat league, I think, because of the Mahomes success, uh, teams decided, well, we better sit our, our new quarterback for the first year. Uh, but as soon as a rookie quarterback comes in and in his first year goes 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions or something, or 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, it's going to revert back to no, he needs to be he needs to start right away. Yeah, I just wonder if that's the case for Zach Wilson. And Mike White was clearly better than Zach Wilson has been in this game. Honestly, though, you know what the crazy thing is for Mike White? Like this is actually a real thing. This isn't even an overreaction. If you come in as a backup quarterback in the NFL and you have one good game, one good game. Like, I'm not just saying above average game. Like, he had a 
really good game. Leads a comeback, yeah. 400 yards passing. Are you going to say you're rich? That is enough. Well, seriously, you are rich. Yeah. That is enough it, for you to be a backup quarterback for the next what five to ten years. Well, and and I, if you have one or two more, yeah. Look at look at the money Matt Flynn got because the Packers, the Packers were really Matt Flynn has the Chiefs to thank in part because the Packers looked like they were going to go for a sixteen and zero season. I think they were thirteen and zero when they came into Kansas City and lost. They got to the end of the season. They were fourteen and one, had nothing to play for. They already clinched the one seed. Um, this was in 2011, so they played Matt Flynn, I think, against the Raiders, maybe. But regardless, they played Matt Flynn, um, and uh, he had a really good game. And then all of a sudden, Matt Flynn gets a, a pretty f- nice contract beat I think, out to go play for the Seahawks, yeah. right? Yeah, and beat out by a third rounder. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, think, yeah, really good third rounder. I yeah. think if if you show your your ability to come in and I mean, I, I, people really underestimate the value of a, of a quarterback that can just be steady, mm-hmm. be be steady, and yeah. and not not take away your chance to win. And um, he's shown he can do that, and at least he showed for one game. But I'm telling you, man, if he does this, not even this, if he just has a few more good games, then he's going. He'll he'll start. People will start looking at him as, as wanting to pay him as a starter. Yeah. Yeah, and then he'll get the trickle down from being a bad starter to being a good backup for a while. So it works out for him. Uh, what's your second one? Oh, I'm sorry. I and uh, uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that I locked my phone. All right, um, Patriots—they're going to make the playoffs. Mm. Um, I don't know how now. much of an yeah, I don't know how much of an overreaction that is, but um, they came off. Uh, who did they absolute dominate last week? So they dominated the Jets, and then this week this they beat week the they beat the Chargers. Yeah. Um, to beat the Bengals, so clearly, yeah, exactly. With the wheel of yeah, the wheel of parody. The Ravens, yeah. Um, no, I think the Patriots get back to the playoffs. Um, I still think you know, especially as more teams lose in the AFC, I still think ten and seven gets you there. I think as more teams lose, you're looking more and more at the possibility of nine and eight possibly getting you there. So yeah, I would say as an overreaction. Um, now, if this were Tuesday and we were doing boring NFL projection <laughs> Tuesdays, um, I would say no. But because this is overreaction Monday, I'll say the Patriots are going to go to the playoffs this year. I like year. that one. All right, how about this? The Titans won't win a playoff game if Derrick Henry is out for the season. There's some conflicting reports. It sounds like he's out for the year. Other people saying it could be six to ten weeks and that he could rush back at the end of the season. So I, I don't know, but how much would he be healthy? Who knows? If he is indeed out for the season or he comes back and he's not his normal guy, they will not win a playoff game, despite the fact they would be the one seed right now. I uh, I just don't know how well the offense is going to run without him. You're talking about a guy who has almost as much rushing yards after contact this season as the second-best running back has total rushing yards this year. He's incredible, I think. Unfortunately, what you're seeing is what happens when a running back gets used again and again and again. Yep. Um, but he's it's it really is disappointing that it happened when it did because he was doing he kept th- playing afterwards. Yeah, it was incredible. That was wild. What's your um, third one? Uh, real quick on that, I I just want to ask you this, Derek. Do you think it's more likely? What's more likely? Assuming um, Henry is out for the season, what's more likely? The Titans miss the playoffs altogether, or they win a playoff game? 
I would say it's more likely they win a playoff game because at this point you're still three games up. like a two up. or three, two or three game, three up on Be- the Colts. Yeah, beating and you the beat Colts, them twice. beating the Colts was huge. Yeah, you beat them twice and three games up. So even if you, you know, even if you go, what would that be? Ten and seven, you'd be four and five the rest of the way. But you've got the tiebreaker, and you have the tiebreaker. At that point, the Colts would still have to go seven and, and the no, other, they'd have to go eight and one. And the other two teams in that division are garbage. Yes. So you should be able to pick up wins. My third one, uh, the Rams are going to win the NFC West by at least two games. Ooh. Um, you know the Cardinals are seven and one. I know they're tied seven and one, seven and one. I uh I yeah, I'm I'm going with that one. Uh largely because of the Von Miller acquisition. I think this really se- separates the Rams. Um, I think that could lead I don't know if we'll be able to have it today, maybe sometime later this week, uh after the trade deadline ends. Um, I, I think we could have a conversation comparing what the Broncos are doing uh, to what the Chiefs are doing or not doing at the trade deadline. Uh, but the point is, the Broncos punted on Von Miller, um, and the beneficiary of that, at least from a trade standpoint, is the uh, are the Los, Los Angeles Rams. I think he's hungry for a Super Bowl. Um, I think Matt Stafford has been really good this year. Uh, and, yeah, I will, I'll say the Rams... Um, let's go by two games. I'll say they finish fifteen and two, and that in the uh, Cardinals come home at thirteen and four. Fifteen and two sounds so weird. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Anyway, all right, my third one: the Saints would be the worst wild card team to have to play in the wild card round. They are so inconsistent this year. But they're what any one game they could beat exactly. anyone. Exactly. They they got blown out by the Panthers, but guess what? They beat the Packers thirty-eight to three. That's the Packers' only loss. They also just beat up. Well, not beat up, but they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were they were comfortable yes. against the Buccaneers. They're three and zero in the regular season against Tom Brady since he joined the Buccaneers. Sean Payton, man, I know. I guess he has Crazy. the he has now, the elixir. Jameis Winston is out for the season, so that hurts them. But is, really, is Jameis Winston to Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill like that big of a downgrade? They're just a team that I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because they're too inconsistent. But if you meet them in the playoffs, like they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Let's make that clear. But they're, but they're the 12 seed in March Madness. They could take out a title. Yeah, they're absolutely. I could see the Saints scoring some huge upset over, like, let's say they even get the seven seed. So they have to go to the two seed. And if they win that, that means the following week they'll be going to the one seed. Point being, I could see the, uh, I could see the um, New Orleans Saints being the kind of team that wins, like, a, oh my gosh, what an upset in the first round of the playoffs. And follows it up in the divisional round, losing forty-five to three. Yes, I yes, can see 100%. that absolutely happen. Yes, I think that's a great way of putting it. Like that Tim Tebow Broncos team kind of did. Yeah, or I hate bringing this up, but the Colts, you know. Yeah, we don't talk. Yeah, about that. that one. We don't talk about that. All right, uh, my last one is Matt Ryan. If you saw his bloody hand, he got stepped on, and then there was blood all over a towel. I mean, it looked like the perfect Halloween scene. It was a lot cooler than Kurt Schilling's bloody sock. Kurt Schilling. Um, I don't know. There's rumors that it was ketchup. So, first of all, you have the conspiracy theories. No conspiracies about this one with Matt Ryan. Plus, it was on Halloween. Like, that just makes it so much cooler. And the thing was mangled. At the end of the day, like, you know, oh, you have some blood on your ankle. You're pitching a baseball game. Who cares? This is a quarterback getting hit, and he's holding the football with a bloody hand. I'm telling you what, if I was the coach, I don't, look, I want to be clear. I don't think this was the case. Mm -hmm. But if I were the coach of the Falcons, I would immediately have asked to inspect the cleat of the player who stepped on him to see if they were metal. 
because that thing was mangled, dude. I guess that's what it happens when somebody who's like 290 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And, look, it was just yeah. the guy was gigantic. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard rubber. You know, the cleats are hard rubber. So no, I don't think they were metal, but it was bad enough to make you go, "Is that dude wearing metal cleats?" Yeah. It was it was bad, man. But perfect for Halloween. Who knows? Maybe it was staged. That'd be funny if he had, like, the fake blood for Halloween costume. Real quick, my favorite Halloween moment. Favorite, least favorite. It was the funniest. The uh, the awful Chiefs of 2012 that went 2-14. and 14. They were losing to the Raiders. It was either on Halloween or it was the game most close to Halloween. The uh, the This guy had a kind of a silver, t- uh, like a silver-plated uh, scream ghost face mask. That he wore with a red kind of outfit and a hood, uh, and he was just that they showed him going to commercial with his like face in his hands, but it looked hilarious because he had, but he was like distraught by how bad the Chiefs were playing. But he was wearing this scream ghost face mask, so that that Matt Ryan hand might jump up for my favorite NFL oct- or uh, Halloween image. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our NFL Monday overreactions here on RCST. On FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depend on it. Five o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Chiefs taking on the Giants tonight in Monday Night Football. As far as the game, I mean, we could break it down if you want. Like, Giants are not a very good football team. Daniel Jones has been a lot better quarterback on the road in his career than at home. I think it's a 25-7 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio in games on the road, but it's like a negative touchdown to interception ratio at home. Uh, Saquon Barkley's out. I think Darius Toney. But that's got to be what he's on Sterling pace Shepard for, right? Not what he actually has. No, in his career. His career. Oh, okay. Yeah, not this say, season. No, wow. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chiefs are screwed if that's what he's got on the road this season. Um, defense is not great for the Giants, so... Uh, you expect the Chiefs to win. They're 10-point favorites. I think and we both, earlier we both said, um, you know, we would, it, it would be disappointing if it's if it's even close. I think we both kind of yes. summed it up saying that. Yes. If, if the Chiefs walk out of this game and they had to kick a field goal to win or they had to stop the Giants on fourth down and eight from their own 40 up by four or something like that to win the game like that, that is kind of a disappointment because... You would get a win, which would make you feel okay, but you would not feel like things have gotten better. And, and let's be honest, even if they do go out there and win by 28, yeah, you're still going to say, well, let's wait and see for the Packers. Yeah, yeah I think, I mean, it's kind of... But you feel a little bit. Yeah, best, best case scenario, I, I still think you come away going, well, they still haven't beaten anybody good. But if you come away beating this team as badly as you should, if it's 35 to 13, you're feeling fine. And that's what you should do, and, and they haven't, I mean, I guess they kind of did that against the Eagles and the Washington football team And they had one half against Washington, yeah. Really, just one half against both because the Eagles game was a one-score game. They had the ball in the third quarter down one score after you. I think, I forget if it was fumble or interception. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, put it together for a full game if you're going to do that. But really, outside of that, like, there's there's not much else to talk about. The Chiefs' defense, not good. The Chiefs' offense, good, right? Don't turn the ball over. That simple. Um, I am interested what happens with this game in terms of how it affects how active they are at the trade deadline. Now, I, I should preface this by saying they only have about $1.6 million in cap space, so that very much kind of cuts you off on the knees of anybody you could trade for. It'd have to be somebody who is very cheap, or you would have to either cut 
somebody away or trade somebody back the other way. Um, I'm interested if they lose this game, there's no chance you can do anything at the trade deadline tomorrow, right? You're three and five after. Yeah, if you lose to the Giants, you're three and five. There's no chance you can do anything at the deadline. Oh, you mean like acquire players? Yes. Yeah, no, I was going to say there's a chance you could be sellers. Well, here's the thing. So I I I, guess we should start with that conversation. There's there's no chance. No, you're right. Yeah. There's, if they, I, well, I would put it now, I would actually be disappointed. And I've, I've, I think, you know, Veach has been worthy of praise in a lot of cases, but I think one place he's worthy of criticism is his propensity to give up picks, whether it to be to acquire players or to uh, trade up in the draft. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want them, even if they, I mean, they could win 55 to three. They could be, they could win as bad as Oklahoma State did over K- KU this weekend. And I still wouldn't think they should acquire anybody at the trade deadline. Yeah. So these are two different conversations. Let's have this one right now. The fact that should they? No. Do anything at the trade deadline. And I agree with you. They should not well, they should not do anything in terms of acquiring somebody at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't they should not be buyers. And there's always caveats, right? There's always technicalities. If somebody came up to you and was like, Well, we'll trade you like uh, we'll okay, give you Von, Aaron Von Miller. Right. For, yeah, right. For Von Miller just got traded. Pick if the Broncos yeah. would have approached the Chiefs and said, Hey, we'll give you Von Miller for a seventh round draft yeah, pick and it would have worked if, if it's, Exactly. If it's a stupid yeah. good it's like, okay. like obvious offer, then right. yes. You know, uh, Texans are like, hey, we'll give you Brandon Cooks for a seventh round. But an pick. offer like, that done. anybody's expecting, no. Yes. So the question is, should they not just not be buyers? Should they be sellers? I would I would sell and this I, I want to be perfectly clear. I, I stand by what I said about Tyron Matthew about his tweets, but this has nothing to do with his tweets. I thought this before the tweets. I think they should see about they won't, but I think they should see about trading Tyron Matthew because I don't really see a scenario in which they they um, sign him. But I I and I certainly would not re-sign him because he's thirty, and I believe I I just I think um, I don't know I just I think you look at the Bill Belichick system and you you have a quarterback right now where you can realistically win four or five Super Bowls in a 15 to 16 year period and part of that includes managing your cap in such a way that you never overpay and that you're never paying guys for poor years. Mm-hmm. So if you if you sign Tyron Matthew right now, you're basically going to get another pretty good year out of him followed by I think two bad years because he'll be 32 and 33 by then, 31 and 32 by then. So because I wouldn't sign Tyron Matthew to a new contract, and because I don't think this team is going to win a Super Bowl, or at the very least, I don't think Tyron Matthew is going to turn out to be the difference between you winning a Super Bowl or not, I would trade him. I And I would take, oh, I mean, I, I'd take pennies on the dollar. Right? If someone wants to wants to give us a fit, give the Chiefs a fifth or a sixth-round pick, I'd take it. Well, here's the other thing. Like, I don't even think that precludes you from being competitive. Like, you're still... The Chiefs aren't in a spot where they're going to completely blow it up, right? You're not going to yeah. trade Tyree Kill and Travis. But there's, look, the Chiefs' defense can be awful. They, That's the thing. They've been awful. You're already with, the worst. Yeah, they've been all awful with Tyron Matthew. They go be awful without him exactly. and get a six-round pick. pick. Yeah, and I don't think it stops there, right? Like I would anybody who anybody has interest in on the defense. I'm not joking. I would trade anybody now. It gets complicated because there's certain guys you can't trade from like a cap standpoint. Yeah, right? Jones is out of the question. Exactly. Like if somebody did offer something for Jones, you'd get interested, but then you'd go, "Oh, but we have to pay all this it's dead like cap." Like ninety so it million work. bucks worth of dead cap. So you just can't do it, right? Yeah. Um, but if anybody gets offered on defense, you take the deal. Yeah, I, I th- yeah. If, if if anybody wants to give up anything mm-hmm. for 
yeah, for I mean, I I think like, the the only I, yeah, I think the well, only caveat is maybe somebody who's on a first or still on their first contract still has years left on their first contract. I think you think about them sticking around, but other than that, yeah, I think you take the call on anybody. And I think realistically, like you said, like you're already the worst in the NFL, so I guess you just stay the worst and who knows, maybe even having just like new blood, different players in there because this isn't just a you know, talent, lack of talent thing or a misappropriation of cap or players not performing well. There's an effort base to this as well. Like, you see clips from the Titans game where players are just making business decisions not to make tackles, right? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And, and I'm I, not saying your defense is going to get better if you trade away all these guys, but there is, like, a real avenue where it's just, like, the effort is so much better that you're actually slightly better defensively. And I, I think there's something to be said. It's not just the effort. I think there's also something to be said about – somebody who's 22 either because they're not as smart as a 30 year old or because their body isn't is, is just naturally more springy than a 30 year old they're just gonna pop somebody harder and uh, look I think if this team's going look I, I want because this team has Patrick Mahomes I'm not ruling out the possibility of them winning a Super Bowl I think as long as they have Patrick Mahomes I think that's possible but if this group of chiefs is going to win or go to the super bowl it's going it's not going to be because their defense magically lights up whether because of acquiring somebody or getting rid of somebody it's going to be because you get into the playoffs and patrick mahomes goes nuts over four games and throws 15 touchdowns and one interception that's how this team's going. If this team wins, makes a deep playoff run, that's how it's going to happen. Not because the defense all of, all of a sudden wakes up and turns into what they were the last two years. Yeah, no, that's 100% right. Okay, so we're on the same page there. That's what we think they should do. But realistically, not a snowball's we know chance, there's not a snowball's chance in hell they trade anybody. Correct, because that is the Brett Veach past. And if you have paid attention to, like, Twitter rumors at all over the last couple weeks seems like, I mean, there are, there are handfuls of players where you've seen like Marlon Mack is on the trade block. One of the teams interested, the Kansas City Chiefs, Melvin Ingram on the trade block. One of the teams interested, Kansas, like there, there are enough players that make you think, oh, the Chiefs are doing digging on trying to acquire players yeah. from other teams that makes you think they might try to do it. So I, I think we would both agree, though, if you lose to the Giants, you're definitely not making a trade. And we would both agree they should sell away some defensive players. But if they do win tonight, do you think they are going to be I, – I don't want to say ultra-aggressive, right? They're not going to pull like what a Rams did. and They just don't have the money for it with the 1.6 available Yeah, that's cap. the thing. That's that's a difficult part of it. But will they go out and get somebody tomorrow before the deadline? If they win tonight, um, I'll still say – You do? Then I, I, I'll, I'll say no. I was le- I'll lean no. Um, and, and stick with that. I, I, I think there's a better chance that they acquire somebody than gives than, than trade somebody away. I think that's a much better chance, but I still think it's maybe, I think it's maybe a 0.5% chance they trade anybody away and like a 25 to 30% chance they bring anybody in. I think as much as I would not do it again, the only way I would make a trade is if it is for a game changer, but the only way I'm trading for a game changer, like I don't want to give up too much because I wouldn't want to invest too much. So you basically have to accept that you are at a point where somebody is going to basically let you rip them off, and that's just not realistic. So again, if, if the Texans want to give you Brandon Cooks for a sixth-round pick and that works into the cap, 
okay, do it. Yeah, but that's I mean, not going to happen. Exactly. So I would hope they don't, but I think they will. I think they're going to go out and make a small trade for some guy who, you know, some people are going to convince themselves, well, this is going to be a big help for the Chiefs. He's going to do very minimal. Uh, it's not going to be a bunch of inroads made with the team for yeah. that specific they're reason. Gonna, they're going to get a guy who had three three or four sacks in yeah. one game four years ago, and people are going to be like, oh, this he's – this is the this is the change of scenery yeah. he needs. And can you imagine, like, if you do go trade for Marlon Mack at this point, you know, because he's still on the trade block, like, how stupid that would be. Yeah, at the running back position, and then the Melvin Ingram one too. That would really grind my gears. Those are both names that I just brought up. Um, Melvin Ingram was a guy that you brought in for one or two visits. Yeah, you said no to. You said no. And now to. you want to give up? You let him get away without. Now a you potentially give up picks to him. Could have had him for a one year deal. I forget what the Steelers signed him for, but you could have had him for cheap. He did not sign for much. If you wanted him so bad, sign him. Yeah, I I still I'm I'm maybe I'm just hoping, but I I, I don't think they bring in anybody. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But uh, I I'll be really interested four, to see four or three o'clock tomorrow. I think it's three o'clock. But um, there's a lot of different ways they can go. Certainly, if they lose tonight, they won't be acquiring anybody. I'll be interested to see if they do sell. Even if they win tonight, I'd be implied to sell. But I think they might just end up being buyers at the very least. I think they'll probably sit pat. All right. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.